Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 38. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to Mason and I met Mason from his amazing Instagram page from the lot and we ended up chatting and putting this podcast into place. And Mason's story starts off in Southern California in the late 80s, and uh, we go all the way through to 2016 with this podcast and a debut of J-Rad. Uh, in between, Mason takes us uh, through all the cool people he's met, being a deadhead, lots of cool shout-outs, and um, one shout-out in particular to John Mayer, who has become a friend and has some really fun stories about that. So, as always, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Well, Mason, welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is so fun. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to, to have this podcast because, you know, we've, we've been in touch here and there, obviously, on Instagram and chatted, and uh, I'm excited to, to, to go deep dive and get some music in it. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. Well, we have so much to talk about because we have, you know, Grateful Dead days and, you know, what's going on now. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, the beginning is always a good place to start. Um, so let's uh, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your, your early days on the East Coast. And then we're going to we're going to drive the conversation all the way up to real time. It's actually the West Coast, to be honest. I grew up in California. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't move to Philly until 1995. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I didn't know that. So now, yeah. So Yeah, that's why a majority of my list is all, um, you know, there's touch points. That's why my first show, for example, was in, at, in L.A. at the Great Western Forum. Oh. That's where I was growing up and in high school at the time. Wow. So tell me about the dead scene in Southern California. Right, so growing up in um, California... I was into, you know, like hardcore, skateboarding, whatever. In 11th grade, a friend of mine, Mike, had uh, the um, Skull Clock or Grateful Dead or Skull and Roses or Bertha, whatever you choose to call it, poster on his wall. Uh-huh. And I was always attracted to it from a graphic perspective and didn't really listen to the music. Um, the first time, you know, I listened to the music, I was kind of like, Ah, uh, you know, whatever. This is like more chilled out, like, you know, hippie, whatever vibe, 70s. I get it, but you know, it's not really what I'm necessarily into. Um, the following year, somebody had turned me on to, uh, Cornell and a couple of other, other pivotal shows. And that's when I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Now I get it. A friend of mine took me to my first show, which was, uh, December 9th, 1989 at the Great Western Forum. And then that's when it all sort of clicked, you know, because I'm in the lot, I'm seeing kids, you know, older people, younger people, you know, everybody has their little side hustle selling, you know, T-shirts, grilled cheeses, beers, whatever. And I was just like, just kind of one of those feelings, like when I went to my first hardcore show when I was a lot younger and it was like, oh, I'm home. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have that feeling. And then, you know, I wasn't, I was a little familiar with some of the songs, but not the whole catalog, like, at this point in my life. But, um, yeah, it was cool. I, you know, we went inside, and the show was really good. Um, and then what kind of clicked was a bird song in the first set. A, it was an awesome rendition that happened to come out on Without a Net. But 
um, you know, I was just kind of like wandering around, checking out the whole scene. And I just, what, what really clicked was this older head, you know, obviously been on the road for a while, just sort of got out of his seat and started dancing to Birdsong. And that version speaks for itself. But he, you know, I was just like, all right, like, you know, I've cruised around a little bit. I've been checking this guy out. He's in my zone or whatever. You know, he was kind of sitting through the whole first set, and then, like, boom, now he's up dancing, moving around. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that, and that's when, I, you know, and obviously meeting friends and talking about different versions, and, you know, everybody has their favorites. And, you know, for example, it looks like Rain, like, definitely not a favorite song of mine. Whereas other people will argue up and down that it's like their favorite song, you know, but for me, it was, people love that song. I personally don't, but to each their own, you know what I mean? You know, I was like, wow, you know, like, okay, cool. Now I'm starting to get it. Like, this is great. So, um, that was, I was in 12th grade, just graduating, basically got lowered in. And as soon as I graduated high school, just sort of hit the road. Um, it was supposed to be like, a summer worked the deal out with my parents, like, you know, hey, I tour around, take the summer off. And then, you know, when fall comes around, I'll go to school. That summer experience, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not so much, huh? A, yeah, a little left of, turn. Yeah, it was, you know, basically the talent of 89 to about 94. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, you know, really. really came around. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the College of the Grateful Dead. I mean, that's my, um, I mean, hey, that's, that, that's what I put out there on my social media is my early education. I'm still studying there, you know, so. Uh, right, it's, exactly. It's as good of a school as any, man. And I feel, you know, yeah, being on the road, meeting people, the little hustles you get through to get by, like, you know probably learn more on the road than I could have learned in any kind of like formal teaching institution um, from that, you know, that perspective. Then the scene just kind of got a little gnarly towards the end, you know, in, in addition to Jerry's health, obviously, and the music and Brent passing and Vince coming on, Vince never really being accepted. It, it you know, kind of, I, I just lost interest. A lot of friends that I was on the road with, um, fell into their addictions. Some of them joined the spinners. You know, that whole thing at first was kind of romantic to me and very attractive. I was always one of the kids, a good friend of mine that I used to go to shows with a lot, like my traveling buddies, Brian. um, We were always like hallway kids, you know, we'd cruise around, hang out, and we'd always like, you know, sort of be in the spinner zone. And it, it just seemed very cool to me. And in my mind, it was very romanticized. Some of my friends actually ended up joining spinners, you know, and we would, like, correspond, writing letters to each other, and they'd always invite me to the farm. And from the outside, it seemed really cool. And, like, you know, hey, this is a cool thing. Turns out they're a cult, you know, full-blown cult. You know, Joseph's the, the leader or whatever. He's, he's actually sued, and, yeah, it got kind of gnarly. So, you know, towards the end of 94, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm done. One of the women I was dating and traveling with, we had a bad breakup experience. So it was just an accumulation of losing a few friends to their addictions, um, losing a few friends to this cult, going through a breakup with somebody I was traveling with. The music kind of headed downhill, not really having fun at shows anymore. 
being a little bummed on set list and just music and, you know, just, I, I guess, just like the playing in general, being really bummed on the parking lot scene, like, okay, cool, we're at a, you know, 25, 30,000 person venue and there's like 200,000 people here. And at that point, it was, seemed to me like, people were more into the party than the music. And for me, it was never really about that. Like, yeah, it's fun to go to shows and hang out and party with your friends, but I've always been about the music. You know, I used to travel around with my little notebook and keep set list and, you know, make little notes about, you know, this version or that version at this show or whatever. And I just, I don't know, I kind of just soured on the whole thing. So 94 was pretty much so, okay, back to reality, back to life. Got now, a job. Are you on the West Coast or the East Coast at this point? You're still yeah, this Coast. is still the West Coast. Yeah. Got a job actually working at Urban Outfitters. My boss at the time, a good friend of mine, um, this woman, Susan Otter, she started this thing called the store opening team. And it was like basically a group of us would go around and open new stores. In 95, she asked me to move to the East Coast in Philadelphia, where Urban Outfitters is based. She had lived in Marin, and Dick Kane, the founder, had asked her to move back to the office, the home office. And then she was like, hey, you know, when you're not on the road doing these store openings, like, you know, I want to work with you more hand on hand. And she's always very cool, very generous woman. Like I said, we're still good friends to this day. Um, she made me a deal. She was like, you know, commit to me for one year. And if you don't like it, I'll move you back wherever you want to go, basically. And at that point, you know, I've gotten off the road, was working for a while, kind of just like, kind of had nothing to lose. So coincidentally, when I came out to sort of like apartment hunt, she had me out here for about three or four weeks. Like I worked in D.C. for a week. I worked in New York for a week. I was in Philly for a couple of weeks. Um, it happened to be um, in March. That was the last run of the spectrum. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm, you know, in Philly at this hotel and I'm not really doing anything. You know, let me just go down to the lot and see what's going on and seeing if I bump into anybody. I saw some friends and their, you know, rumor on the lot was, yo, they um, sound checked on Broken Chain. Um, and I didn't have a ticket or anything. I didn't even know the dead were in town at that point. A buddy came through and was like, yo, I got an extra. It's all yours. And I was like, all right, cool. So my last show was in Philadelphia and uh, coincidentally happened to be the night they broke out Unbroken Chain. And, you know, you can go into the archive or onto YouTube or whatever. And you, you know, basically there's the first three, four notes. And then you can't even really hear the music for about a minute because no. everybody's just losing their yeah. 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 <laughs> I got that. Yeah. Yeah. I was searching around to make sure I got a good, because you know, I always want to get a good um, download of everything. So I was like searching around to right, see if right. I got a good download. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of screaming in this. And then I listened to a couple of them and I'm like, okay, that's, that's just it. That's just what we're going to hear, you know, is like a ton of screaming in the background. Like that's, that's what was happening. There isn't anything sick. They never played it. It wasn't like one of those, you know, 68, 69, 70, 71 songs that got retired and there was a lapse of, you know, X amount of years and then there was a bust out. I mean, this was like a debut, you know, <laughs> that people, you know, I mean, obviously I was a little late to the game starting in 89, but, you know, think about people that have been on the road or going to shows from the beginning. Right. Like, you know, 
it just, a, you know, collective, like, oh, my God, they're playing Unbroken Chain. Yeah, it was definitely a freak-out moment. Not that it was the best version ever, but, you know, damn, if everybody didn't freak out because we're getting it, you know? Here it is. <laughs> you know, I have to say, I have to give a shout-out right now because as we're talking, my, you know, this is podcast number 38. So I have to do a little, like, I have to do a little sidebar at this point and say, hey, to Jill Matlow because shame on me for not realizing that I had this already saved because podcast number 25, my friend Jill Matlow has was there. She was there with you in March of 1995, and the cover, the artwork for her podcast is Jerry on the cover of Unbroken Chain, and in even okay. further hey to someone I've never met, but we did a shout out to on Jill's podcast is Screaming Jen, because Jill was there with her, her girlfriend, Jen, who was now called Screaming Jen, because she was so fucking stoked to hear Unbroken Chain that March of 95, <laughs> and then they hung out again at Fairly Well. And uh, it's just, I, I love this because this podcast has now gotten, you know, we're going back 12 episodes to, you know, like other, like just that whole, that whole community of, you know, you being yeah. there and Jill being there and Screaming Jen being there. And, uh, and, and, it, and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, this is a, this is not the first time I'm going to be playing this Unbroken Chain on Strangers Having Strangers. Oh, I didn't even know you had played it. Yeah. No, I didn't even really really fully recollect it till this moment too like as you're talking about it I'm like hey now this is I've heard this story before with the you know different players and different stuff and uh and what's funny is Jill was one of my last podcasts before I got a new computer and it was the greatest conversation but the um the sound wasn't that hot on my interview because my old dinosaur computer had like this whirring and shit in the background, like so not Jill's fault. It was like my last podcast with the old computer. And uh, so the whole thing is just filled with static, including the screaming on Unbroken Chain. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this. Awesome. Coming, come, here we go. It's coming back around. Full and you know, you circle. Totally. So, no, yeah. like well, I, I mean, I mean, that's the beauty of this band, right? Like, you know, strangers stalking strangers. Like, we all have our own experiences. We've all collectively been to certain shows together. And, you know, obviously my take on that experience for that show and that song is different than your friend Jill's. But collectively, like, we had a mind... We, we all freak out. Yeah. yeah, you're all connected. You're all connected. It's yeah. so fucking cool. No, it's you're all connected. And and I got a chance to meet Jill in March, and, I mean, there just isn't a nicer woman out there. So, hey, now, Jill Matlow. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, What's now, up, Jill? Jill? What's up, Jen? In case you guys are listening again. So. Yeah, for me, it was, you know, um, when I was putting the list of songs together for this, it was, like, first show, last show, favorite show, and then... um you know, two others that we'll bring up in the conversation that, you know, sort of relates to my story. So um, I apologize, but I don't apologize because, you know, the bust out of Unbroken Chain in 1995 was, you know, pretty phenomenal point. No, and I apologies. Think no. Grateful Dead history. <laughs> no. And you know what I love about this podcast, too, is like, I had two in a row that both played Help Slip Franklin from From the Vault in a row, right? Like, two right. people, like, chose that in a row. Like, I would never be like, sorry, dude, that can't be your show, because that was the person before right. you show. Like, so you can't love this But, man, shit, like, you know? how, how, like, yo, like, how amazing is that, though? Like, Bill Graham's intro, as each person's introduced, they start fiddling around, 
it's kind of the debut of that whole record and the songs and like, oh my God, like that. Yeah, that still gives me chills. Yeah, yeah, it gives me chills every time I hear that. You know, just that version is just like so phenomenal, and that's sort of you know what leads me to that my my little song picks for this. You know, first show, last show, favorite show. I'm gonna hold you back. The reason why I picked the one. Okay, 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 no, yeah, got you. We'll we'll get into it. So this podcast (laughs) again, totally organic conversation, no matter how it rolls. But I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch up what I normally do right now, and then I wanna hear about the next one and then play it. So what I'm gonna do, listeners, is I'm gonna play kind of the juxtaposition of the first song and the last song. So I'm gonna go in and play two songs, and then we're gonna come here a bit about the next song, and then we'll play that. So I'm just going to kind of phase it in, and then I'll phase into Unbroken Chain. So let's do let's do like a double up on the music, and then we'll come back and talk again. What do you think of that? Cool. Sounds great. Let's do it. So I'm going to – and they're long songs, so they might be kind of – we're going to do how as I always do on the longer ones. I'm going to edit it down to, you know, like five, six, yeah, seven minutes. Yeah, a little, little – little edits and then you do the the separate where you have the full song list exactly but this will be really fun to listen to because we're going to have birdsong from december 9th 1989 and then we're going to go into unbroken chain from the spectrum on march 19th 1995 and everyone can kind of feel your journey like the beginning you know like from that one time and uh that is the whole accumulation of my grateful bed experience while jerry garcia was still alive and i was on the road well, let's do it back to back. This is a first time ever at Stranger Stopping Strangers. Let's back them up and, uh, and then we'll be back. So 
listening to the accumulation of the six years of your uh, your live Grateful Dead Jerry experiences and uh, you know all the years they melt into a dream right yes yes and uh, what I mean what's so fun about you know meeting and talking to you is that you know those those two shows were your first and your last but now I want to hear a little bit about a show that was before your time at all because you know that's that's the beauty of this community and the um, the music and the accessibility of the music is you know it it precedes us and then it goes into the future that we'll talk about so um, so tell me a little bit about your next song pick so my next song pick happens to be from Starting to seriously listen to the dead in 1989. It's now 2017. Um, you know, the archive, people sending stuff, Dave's picks, Dick's picks, box sets, you know, what have you, what not. Um, there's pretty much so not anything that's not available at this point. I was reading an interview the other day with Dave and there are still a few shows that aren't technically in the vault or, um, you know, aren't available in the archive. But, you know, that list is getting very, very, very small. To t- kind of tie into that one to a vault conversation, um, my particular favorite run after all this happens to be the uh, 1969 ARC run um, up in Boston. And I don't know, you know, just reflecting back on 1977, my own personal experiences of 89 through 95, you know, listening to different ears. For me, you know, at this point in my life, it's pretty much so like the pig pin era, you know, I would say like 69 through 71. It happens to be my current favorite time period, particularly uh, from that arc run, um, the last show, which was uh, April 23rd. Um, if you listen to all three shows in a row, the announcer sort of comes out the first night and he was like, oh, you know, whatever. The second night, he sort of gets it. By the third night, the intro alone speaks for itself. And it goes into one of my favorite songs, um, being from that 69 to 71 period. Uh, he was a friend of mine, and it happens to be probably one of the longest versions they've ever played. So, so I was, you know, when I started talking to you and thinking about, you know, the music to be played and the format, I was like, 
good starting point, obviously. First show, last show, you know, and then what's the sandwich in there? Um, and I was like, favorite show, then sort of what brought me back around. And then like, you know, you know, we'll talk about in a little while about couch tour and stuff and, you know, what sort of like brought that all around. The third song you'll be playing was from March 23rd, 1969, the intro, and uh, he was a friend of mine. But that whole show is like, to me, like that's, that is the Grateful Dead. That's you it. Have now, Pigpen, what, yeah, you have Cryptical, the other one's Sweet, you have everything in there. You know, like my favorite songs, like Cryptical, Alligator, Mr. Charlie, Cosmic Charlie, Love Light. He was a friend of mine, like 69 through 71. You know, Dead & Co. is about to hit the road for the third summer. Um, you know, if all they played was 69 through 71, I would not be a happier camper, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so now I'm wondering, is that, was this their first show in Boston? Was this, I mean, because this is a long ways from home with them, this uh, this run in 1969. Do you, do you know that? I'm going to Google um, it. Yeah, that's a good question. That's... I actually have to look into it. I never really looked into it from that aspect. I know that, you know, in the beginning, they were very adamant, obviously, the, um, you know, California, West Coast, building a fan base. And then they were very adamant about building a fan base in New York. You know, and obviously, you're taking the Boston stretch down through, um, you know, D.C. or cutting all the way down to Florida. So, um, you know, I've done a lot of reading. There's a lot of good blogs out there, a lot of good books, obviously, Um you know, so I know they were very adamant about, you know, establishing themselves on the East Coast, New York in general at first. And, you know, obviously California and the West Coast speaks for itself. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. If you know what? I'm being, I'm being typically run in Boston. You know what? I'm being very quiet because as we're talking, I'm Googling it. And I yeah, think Googling I'm it, like, right? I'm Googling it. So, <laughs> you know, that's why I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that was where, where, that was it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was uh, the first one. And uh, and what, you know a, what? what a hell of a three nights for Boston, man. <laughs> well, and you know, I have to now like do the same thing I did it a minute ago. So this is so cool. I have to do a shout out again to the, like <laughs> the next podcast, which was Wendy Rutland, if you're listening. And Wendy chose. Um, Violently Blues from that show. She chose from the from that show because she did a two different Violently um, Blues, one from the Ark and one from San Francisco from Winterland, one from sixty seven, sixty nine, and she like fully loves like that that dirty, you know, like that time too. And uh, and Wendy I met through Jill. So again, all so you know, all so special and magical. Wendy listened to Jill's podcast, was wanted to ask about it, and then she was pretty much on next. And so I have the same run from her, and I just love it. Was it the same night, the twenty? No, it was the twenty. It was the twenty first. So she picked from the twenty first. Okay, cool. But it's the it's okay, the same cool. run, but a different show. So hey, Wendy, right. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're going all the way uh there and uh so fucking cool yeah no it's um yeah the in- incarnations and the iterations and the changes um it's uh you know i love it and i love i was talking to somebody about music the other day and about something about the beatles and you know the beatles being really in my opinion like you know if you had to snapshot a band like in terms of influence and and what they did being um being really noteworthy and it's like because what they did in 
a four-year span or a three-year span. And I think about the Grateful Dead, and to me, like in my heart, they are, you know, they they are the band that that influences my my spirit and my heart more than any other one. But when you think about what they did, I mean, it was a thirty-year span, you know, which is. Um, you know, 10 different bands in 30 years and, and yeah, and the stuff that's still going on now. So, um, it's just so cool to hear this stuff and then you hear, you know, the seventies and then you hear into the eighties and, and yeah, it's, um, it's like 10 different bands really. But yeah, there's, there's enough love for, there's enough love for everyone out there, you know? It's like, uh. Oh, yeah, everybody, yeah. There is, your heart will just keep expanding when it comes to love of music, you know? It's, uh, there's, there's no such thing as a favorite. It's, you know, it's all meaningful. So let's go play it. Let's go play it. Let's go play this. I'm going to do the intro and I'm going to do the song and, you know, per earlier, I'm probably going to fade it out a little bit, but, um, let's throw it all the way back to, 1969. So this is, um, oh my goodness, this is April 23rd, 1969. And you know what? Today is... Today's the 23rd. <laughs> right? Today's April wow, 23rd. Wow. Crazy. I didn't even... I didn't think about that. That's awesome. I didn't either. I didn't think about it till I read the date. <laughs> <laughs> April 23rd. That's a familiar date. Oh, my God. That's today. So, um, There's yeah. Some, yeah, something about that band, man. It always comes around. It always comes around. <laughs> uh, listeners, Mason and I have been in touch for two months. Have we been trying to put this podcast together? Um, yeah. So, yeah, here we are on April 23rd. So, let's right, uh, so do it. 20, 26 years to the day right now. <laughs> oh, not 26, 40. Oh, yeah, I was doing 1995 as the band to end. So, let's do 2017. Eight years. 48 years to the day. Wow. 48 years to the day. 48 years to the day. We're going to throw this back. So, that's... um. That's awesome. The magic of the band that we all love. The magic of the band that we all love here in Massachusetts too. So uh, throwing it back, everybody enjoy, and then we're gonna um, then we're gonna get uh, into the 21st century. So uh, enjoy. Speech. <laughs> Beach, here, here. Yeah, here, here, here. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, I said this last night. I'm gonna say it again. Monday night. I didn't know how to introduce the uh, people up here because I'd never heard them live. And uh, last night I did, and tonight I know even better. This is the best fucking rock and roll band in the whole world. At your service.
1969 48 years ago to the day of us recording this and uh we're gonna we're gonna jump forward but like 46 years so um you know we talked about 89 to 95 and and philadelphia and and like the the core roots but bring us uh bring us up to real time let's uh let's jump into the 20th century real time so um we're close to okay what's what's the question so, so Dead and Company. So that's our next pick is Dead and Company. So I want you to tell everyone a little bit about, you know, kind of coming out of the um, the cocoon and uh, and the metamorphosis into, you know, from the lot and you and the music and um, and and you know the the rebirth. Okay, so um, '95, as I said, I moved to the East Coast. Um, you know, unfortunately, Jerry passed. Uh, Coincidentally, same time I was losing interest just with the scene in general, just because of my own personal experiences. Um, I sort of stepped away. I took a break from everything. Um, you know, got back into listening to like hardcore and reggae and, you know, all of my other musical interests and was traveling a lot for my job at the time and just, you know, was like kind of needed a break. I, you know, owned my own store for a while in Philadelphia called Within. It was like a streetwear sneaker spot that was from 2006 to 2009. My wife and I um, moved to Pittsburgh and then to Wisconsin for a little while for work. Um, then we moved back to Philly a few years ago, when I moved back, a friend of mine at the time um, was like, hey, man, um, you know, we should do something again. Um, you know, I was like, dude, to be honest, like, I don't really want to open my own store without the proper funding. You know, obviously learned a lot of experiences, both positive and negative from that time period. But it was like, well, let's just like start doing T-shirts or something. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, you know, I've always been into T-shirts. So I was doing this thing called MBH, which was basically Millhouse uh, Van Houten. And it was like bootleg part because um, I knew that the 25 years of The Simpsons was coming up and, you know, that stuff would really hit. And, you know, at the time, which was funny because in the parking lot of shows, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, a lot of people were doing, you know, bootleg Simpsons T-shirts. And then coincidentally, that's when like Black Bart and, you know, Bootleg Bart was really big and like the Compton Swap Meets and all of that. So, you know, there was a lot of parallels going on in both worlds at the time. So um, we were doing that for a while. It was a couple of years. And um, what happened was I got asked to do a lot of interviews from different um, blogs and stuff. And I'd always said no because I knew it was you know, I knew I was a bootlegger and whatever, and I didn't want to get caught. And then um, a friend of mine does this book called All Gone that comes out every year, and it's sort of like the best of, of the street world. And he asked me to be in the book, uh, what was it, 2015 now. I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, it's been a couple years. 
I've stayed under the radar. You know, I know that the clock's ticking. If I'm going to go out, I want to go out in print. So I got in that, and then a couple weeks later, got a couple cease and desist from Fox, and that was it. So I sort of switched gears at that point. Um, I didn't want to walk away from, you know, just having a fun little side business going. So I was like, started from the lot. And what from the lot basically started out to be was, you know, getting back into the music a little bit and, you know, realizing there's so much graphic history out there as, you know, well as the music and any angle you want to talk about, Grateful Dead, be it commercially released graphics, be it, you know, homemade, fan art, lot, you know, stickers, backstage passes, like T-shirts, pins, buttons, whatever. So from the lot, basically, I started on Instagram because I like Instagram. It's a really good platform, you know, straight up pictures, images, graphics, whatever. Um, so I just started archiving whatever I could find as long as it was Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead related, you know, be it something that was released commercially, be it an album cover, be it a t-shirt, be it something that was fan made or, you know, something from a lot or whatever, you know, from a lot was a good name. It was available. I'm just, you know, the whole, it's been a few years, it's been a couple of years now. Um, we just had our two year anniversary. Um, it's just a platform. I'm just trying to archive like as many different graphics that I can find, be it, you know, a show flyer, a sticker, a button, a t-shirt. Um, doesn't really matter where the source is. I kind of like it now because it's turning this really cool community where people are sending me stuff and then, you know, Dad and Co got back together, um, or formed, I should say. A buddy of mine that I work on from a lot with, um, his name's Josh Balick. Um, He's, you know, sort of my right-hand man when it comes to the From the Lot stuff. You know, Denko came around to Philly, and I was like, hey, man, like, you know, let's go check it out. You know, this is probably going to be the closest. He's he's a younger guy, you know, same as, like, Connor and those kids. Um, I was like, you know, this will probably be the closest experience you will have to, you know, witnessing what was the Grateful Dead. And so... Bottom of ticket, we went to the show. You know, I was aware of John Mayer. Um, I can't honestly say I've ever really listened to his music before Dead & Co. You know, obviously familiar with whatever was played on the radio or whatever. But, man, like, that show, um, 11 5, 15, Philly, that Standing on the Moon, you know, they also played Here Comes Sunshine. But that Standing on the Moon, that's sort of what really brought me back around to the point of like almost tears in my eyes like I was just like welled up yeah I was just like okay there's something here you know there's really something here and you know along the way of you know Dead Co I discovered Couch Tour you know shout out to Jen H2O girl she runs the best couch in my opinion it's the funnest <laughs> uh and you know that's when all, all the kids started to fall in place you know Connor and my friend Jeremy Dean, we were obviously friends way before this, but, um, you know, he's been doing his own stuff and, you know, the online ceramics guys and Sean from Blues for Sala and Joe Cups and Jay from Dream Body Press and Dale and the online ceramics and Connor and, um, you know, Chuck, Panic Chuck and Mike from the Cosmic Messenger and Ted Gall and, you know, the New York Grateful Dead family and the LA Grateful Dead family and, Wes Lang, Costas, and, you know, John Mayer himself, like, 
all evolved from, you know, from a lot. It was crazy. I, you know, I went and I saw Denko, that show, um, and, you know, that standing on the moon really, you know, that's what really brought me back into going to shows, I should say. And, um, you know, just the accumulation of this new generation creating new graphics, you know, what's awesome for me is all the reference points now because, you know, back in, you know, 70s, 80s, it was all, you know, the skulls and it was all Grateful Dead based. Um, now you have kids that are creating graphics that grew up on, you know, hardcore music or skateboarding or hip hop or what have you. And what's, what's awesome to me is seeing some of the stuff that these kids are producing, um, and the different reference points that they're using, um, yeah. you know, be it skateboarding or punk rock music or, you know, what have you. And then mixed with the Grateful Dead. And, you know, now I really like the direction and the community that, you know, from a lot has taken. And as I said, when I started and, you know, still its main mission is just to collect as many graphics as possible, you know, but with kids putting out stuff that's new, um, you know, I think it's very important to, you know, give shout outs and cite the source. You know, if I find something on my own, I just, you know, try to get as much information as I can. But if somebody sends me something, you know, I make it my point to give that person credit and give them a shout out. You know, if somebody's selling something and it's new, um, you know, I make it a point to steer people into their direction. Um, and then for me, what happened was, you know, being in love with, you know, always having a hobby and coming off of the MBH stuff which was coming off of my own store and, you know, just having a little something going on side besides the day job was I actually found an old shirt on eBay that I think was like five or $600. And I was just like, man, this is one of the coolest tees I think I've ever seen in the Grateful Dead world. Um, it was a lot shirt, you know, it wasn't official or anything. Um, I couldn't track down the artist. Um, so I basically remade it. And I was like, you know what, let me like make like 24 of these. So, you know, A, I want the shirt. I know it's going to be on a new body. I'm going to update it, clean up the graphics. I'm going to throw, you know, I'm going to pass them out to my friends and throw a couple online and just see what happens. And that, you know, that sort of took off from there. Um, there's really no schedule. There's no consistency, you know, and that's just really due to timing. But, um, yeah, some of the relationships that have come from from the law have been amazing. Um, Mayor being one of them, um, you know, shout out to John Mayer. You're the man. He literally slid into the DMs on Instagram and was like, hey, man, every time I go to the website, like, your guys' stuff is always sold out. Like, what's the deal? And I was just like, you know, well, we used to do we'll really make one small for you. runs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what size do you want, like, you know, man? You know, we'll yeah, bust yeah, that one it, more, it, no problem. Yeah, uh, just get totally, get your size totally. and your address. It's on its way, man. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, A, if this is the real John Mayer, all I need is an address and your T-shirt size. And then, you know. It, if it's not the John, it's real John up. Mayer, you'll get one too, but I'll figure it out. You're yeah. going to get one or two, and then they're going right. to stop coming. <laughs> right. So he was he was really looking for some stuff from my friend Jeremy Dean, and then um, who goes by Dean Nuts. Just the relationship's crazy. You know, it all started through Instagram, sort of like you and I. Like, in a lot of these relationships with all the people I just shouted out, you know, it's all through Instagram, and I love this. It's, it's you know, this community. 
he was looking, John was looking for some from the lot stuff and he was looking for some stuff from my friend Jeremy who, you know, also sells out stuff very quickly. And we were just like, yo, if this is the real John Mayer, man, all we need is your size and a shipping address and we got you, whatever, you know? And coincidentally happened to be um, 2016 summer tour was around the time we started talking to him. You know, they're, they're playing the Camden show, you know, right across the river from Philly. We had a big box for him ready to go of like all of the from the lot stuff and all of Jeremy's stuff and some other stuff um, from some friends of ours from the same community. Um, you know, I sort of like called in the troops and was like, yo, this is what size John wears. Got his address, going to send him a big box, write him a note, whatever you want. Like, let's, you know, let's get John hooked up. You know, he's one of us now. He's playing for Denko. He's in he's, he's, he's family, you know. So, Absolutely. Well, we um, gotta get him out of that checkered board outfit, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. The story you know the sense of Johnny, that one, Johnny Checkers. But um, yeah, I, rumor has it he lost a bet, and that's why he wore that outfit. But um, uh, whatever, regardless, it's he, given so he's much, awesome. He's such a nice person. Oh, it's given so much life, though. It's so fun, you know. Like, I mean, anything. I mean, I think it's. Um, I was at that Fenway show, and I mean, thank God he wore that outfit. I mean, think about how many conversations and memes and you know like how much uh just how much dialogue was spurred from that i mean it's like you know they yeah. say just make people think you know i mean i have an awesome meme uh. of jerry wearing the same checkerboard that i added to some twitter conversation that um fucking made people's day you know and i didn't even make the meme yeah. i just found the meme and people are like where'd you find that and i'm like i don't know i saw it at some point and just knew that if it was just screenshotted, the right conversation would come up and uh, right. and I'd totally. just, like throw it out into it. So, I mean, yeah, even the fucking checkerboard outfit, you go, John, you know, like give us something to talk about. It's so fun. Yeah, it was awesome. But so the, it evolved into, you know, the, just the way the timing worked out. He was kind of like, hey, do you guys get tickets yet? And we we're like, no, we haven't. We we're just about to buy lawn seats just to come check you out. You know, and then we were like, cool, you know, can we get a shipping address and we'll ship you this box? And he was like, oh, how about I'll just trade you tickets for um, the box? And we were like, yeah, dude, great. Sounds great. Like, no problem. Man, like, talk about generosity. Like, John Mayer is, like, one of the most down-to-earth, coolest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, he, you know, we just figured, like, okay, cool, we're going to bring in some of our stuff. You know, we'll probably meet, like, his assistant or tour manager or whoever, you know, give them a, give them the box and, you know, they'll probably give us some decent tickets and, you know, so be it. We got some stuff to John Mayer and go about our business. But, um, so, um, John's right hand, this guy, Ken, big shout out to Ken. He's a man. Um, you know, so we set up, you know, go to will call, get our tickets and then, uh, text Ken, you know, and then we figure, okay, cool. You know, we got, so we got to will call got our tickets and got laminates and we we're like, Oh, holy shit. Like John really is hooking us up. Text Ken. And we figure, you know, Ken's the one we're going to hand this stuff to you and then just be on our way. So, you know, we do everything we're supposed to do. Um, Ken's like, all right, cool. Put these on. And they were like, you know, um, whatever, like backstage passes or whatever. And he's like, follow me. Boom. Walked us right into John's dressing room. And he's like, we were we were floored and then we ended up talking to john for like an hour just about whatever like watches and bisbon and graphics and just like man john's the fucking coolest guy ever and like then 
King came in and he was like, Hey John, it's showtime. And John was just like, Oh man, I hate this part. I got to go to work. And we just started laughing. We're like, dude, you got to go to work. And you'd rather hang out and talk to us. Like you going to work right now is playing a sold out show in Denko for like 30,000 people that you're about to like, just make smile collectively. Like this is hilarious to me, you know? And like, we've just stayed in touch ever since. And, um, yeah, John's definitely always on the comp list when it comes to new product coming out. <laughs> right on. Well, let's play that song. Um, let's 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 yeah. go back. Let's uh let's go back to let's go stand on the moon from um, November fifth, two thousand fifteen, and uh, and hear the song that uh that that looped you that looped you in and and sealed the deal. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's go and hear it, and then uh, and then there's there's more. So uh, we got another cool. tune, and uh, and yeah, we uh, we're gonna go into uh, further into the to real time and, and into the future when we get back. So um, so everybody enjoy listening to Standing on the Mood, and this is Dead and Company playing on November fifth, nineteen uh, two thousand fifteen. So enjoy.
November 2015 and um, so yeah that and I was going to say when you're talking about it but I, I, I probably have mentioned this on this podcast before but I had such a similar like welcome home second time around experience when I saw them first too I um, I was at Worcester and it was the same run right it was I don't think it was like the 13th or something it was November right they came out to Worcester yeah, after yeah. And uh, very shortly after, within a week or so of that show, and um, ended up there. I had never seen a show on the East Coast, being a West Coast girl. And uh, so you grew up in where? Where did you grow? I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in San Francisco. 
Okay, uh, so I grew up in like San Clemente, and then um, basically after Grateful Dead tour, wound up in Berkeley. So yeah, shout out NorCal! Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, you know my little my little Grateful Dead, um, you know my little personal party trick story. I feel like I've told you this. I've certainly said it on the podcast a couple times, but you know, hey, can comes up organically I can mention it again my um my like neat little magical connection is we grew up in the same house Bobby grew up in wow really yeah so when you go see his Netflix I didn't know that I, I, I was not aware of that yeah so my sister and I talk about it a little bit in the podcast that we were on and I, I think I might mention it in the first one but um I mean so much of these podcasts are talking to other people so little bits of my life right, right, comes right. out but it's not yeah I mean we, we need to flip this on you and do, our, <laughs> do, a, do, a, do a reverse podcast on yourself <laughs> so, little bits and pieces you know come out along the way but and my sister is probably the closest you know podcast that has um you know the most of like you know my stories but um no it's a really good story um we so we were we bought it from an in-between owners but you know bobby's house you know he was you know went away to school and this and that but his house in atherton 89 tuscaloosa atherton california that's where he grew up as a little boy and um there's a, a little video of them in like um on the diving board at the house in the the Netflix. And when he goes back to his house and he's kind of looking over the side yard, they had knocked the house down. And I I think there might be a new house in there now. But um, so they owned it and then they sold it to another family and then we bought it from that family. And uh, it was was pretty fucking preserved. Like we didn't, it looked exactly the same like in 19, you know, 78 as it did in, you know, 1965. And uh, so it's, yeah, and the neighbors were, would say, like, you know, he'd have some, um, he'd have the band play in the backyard. It was this, you know, beautiful house on an, you know, acre of land in Atherton. And um, it never really meant anything to me as a child because I didn't, you know, really understand or, it, you know, I was a kid. And uh, my parents right. separated and they sold the house in 87. And that was right when I started listening to The Dead. And my first show was 88. So and you can imagine just the... Um, the self and self-importance that goes with a 15 year old, you know, like at Shoreline or at Oakland, you know, watching the show and being like, we grew up in the same house, you know, <laughs> from there. And, you know, when you're 14 oh, or 15, you know, it's it, at this point in my life, it's, it's just, it's part of a journey. But at that point in your life, you know, it, it you, you feel really fucking special, right. You know, when you're 15 years old and, you know, Oh, totally. You don't have really anything else to draw from. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to one day meeting Bobby. I feel like I will and just be like, hey, now, you know, like we looked out the same window as kids. Um, (laughs) We had the same, you know, like we we stared out at the same, you know, oak tree as children, you know, just 20 years apart. So I think it's it's pretty fun. A lot of magic in those – a lot of inspiration, a lot of magic coming from uh, coming from those walls. So, and my sister's a huge uh, talk, head too. Talk, talk of, uh, okay, cool. I mean, talk about small world, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love hearing all the old stories about like Palo Alto and Menlo Park and all those areas because, I mean, that's you know where where I cut my teeth as a kid too. You know, where Jerry was playing in you know University Avenue in Palo Alto and Kepler's books, and you read the books and you're like, yeah, you know, that was. 
That's where I used to ride my bike <laughs> when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really, really, really fun. Awesome. Well, so, you know, Netflix and everything that's like at our fingertips. So I want to talk a little bit about couch touring because that's that's a new um, a new phenomenon that's, you know, just brought the community all together. So um, and and more than just the, you know, the dead and company, there's just there's so much great shit to to watch. Um, so tell me a little bit about your um, some of your couch touring families and uh, stories. So, yeah, so as um, it's, it's funny, you know, so when I found out about couch touring and, you know, like chat rooms and all that, uh, you know, I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, OK, cool. Like I can listen to these shows, um, you know, that I'm not at but it's all lifetime, you know, be it like a Mixler or like, um, you know, somebody's like scoping the show or whatever, like it, it's just awesome. And, you know, I was checking out different shows and different couches, have you, or rooms. And I stumbled across uh, Jen's room. Um, she goes by H2O girl on, uh, H2O girl Nora on Mixler. And, um, we've actually become friends outside of that. And there's just some awesome people on it. And what happened was in between Dead and Co sets, she would stream J Rad. And I, um, you know, as I said, like kind of, you know, got out of the jam band scene for a while and lost touch. And, you know, now that I was back into it, just like, oh my God, J Rad's like some next level shit. And like, shout out to Jen A for holding down the Radis couch and for B, like turning me on to J Rad. And, uh, gotten to the point now where it's a little inside joke but we have a tgijf where uh, she only plays j-rad on fridays in her room and it's you know thank god it's j-rad fridays <laughs> so um yeah it, it, it just you know i discovered j-rad through jen's couch and um they came around to philly and uh that was my first live j-rad show i actually went with connor so you know Hey Connor. And, um, hey, happy yeah, birthday, what Connor. Up, Connor. What up, Connor? Twenty one. Yeah, happy birthday, Connor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, we should uh, you should uh, call and harass him. I'm imagining he probably has a, a maybe a tinge of a hangover this morning. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're driving back from DSO and they're on the road, and he just texted me something and because um, I just sent him some stuff and. I was like, hey, man, in the middle of uh, talking to Stacy, you can't rap right now. And he just said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the conversation, Connor. Uh, what's up? Yeah. yeah, we love you, man. Happy we, birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> totally. Welcome to the club. Yeah, there's just, just, you know, all these amazing people on Jen's couch. And, you know, it's like the song. It's, it's, once again, its own little community and its own little world, you know, onto its own. And, you know, big shout out to Jen turning me on to J-Rat and thank God for J-Rat Fridays. And, uh, I will so be I think, joining you know, the couch, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward yeah, to meeting yeah, you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, she's just, you know, a, a, a cool woman and she runs a great couch and turns a lot of people on to some good music and that's how I discovered J-Rat. So, uh, my first J-Rat experience, I think that we're using to wrap up the show, which is also a debut, second debut. A, we got the two songs in a row, and B, I think it's the first J-Rad debut on your podcast. J-Rad. It is. Welcome, yeah. J-Rad, to the podcast. Welcome. The first, cool. but I'm sure not the last. And and this song so, smokes, right? I mean, I, I uh, downloaded uh, it, yeah, like, <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, like, ridiculous. I was actually their 100th show, A, 
to open the show. They did a hundred beat counting to beat it on down the line. But the Jack Straw in that second set is uh, mind blowing, like phenomenal. Like anybody that's listening, it's on the RGA Rads Hunter show. Uh, Jack Straw, Morning Dew, second set is some of the best music I think I've ever heard. But, you know, my personal experience with J-Rad coming off of Jim's couch, seeing them live for the first time was uh, one of my personal favorite songs, which goes back to that 69 to 71 time time period with the Grateful Dead, is uh, I picked out a Mr. Charlie from, uh, what is it, November 26, 2016, when uh, J-Rad played at the Fillmore. And that's just like... Like I said, you know, right now, yeah, right now, personally, like, you know, it's 69 to 71, Alligator, Mr. Charlie, Cosmic Charlie, Love Lights, other ones with Cryptical in there, um, you know, can't can't do any wrong with the good old Pigpen, you know, the heart and soul of the Grateful Dead, as Jerry said. <laughs> well, then I think J-Rad does, I mean, they definitely, in my experience from, from seeing them and hearing them, they, they take the music and they turn it into their own, but they definitely have a um, kind of like a raw, gritty side to the way they, they kind of go into it. And, and just their natural style, I think, is, um, you know, depicts a bit of that six, that pig pen era, right? It's like it's kind of guttural and raw and um, and has that, that edge to it. Yeah, and it's like they just like basically like, it's rare that there's a stop in between songs and we just like, it's a joke on the couch. It's just like, now we just call them tease fast. Like, because it's like, yeah, they might be in the middle of one song or transitioning into another song, but like, there'll be so many different songs thrown in there that it's like ridiculous. It's oh, like, yeah. you literally, it's like you have to wait till the show's over and the official stats come out and the set list because you're just like, wait, did I really just hear Beat It? Or wait, did I really just hear this? Or did I really just hear that? You know? Like, I love I love their take. It's not just like, okay, cool, we're a Grateful Dead cover band, and, you know, we're just going to play Grateful Dead music. It's like I truly feel they're just taking it to a whole nother level. And they take like, the eggs and they uh, crack them, and they make a totally different scramble, right? Like, they take it yeah. and they crack it, and then you just get, like, an omelet of, like – all different stuff is like the visual that I'm getting of it, like all mixed in together. Like, you know, if the, uh, if the song book is, is the eggs, what they throw in is, you know, all the different, like, you know, meats and cheeses and vegetables and stuff. Cause it, it's, it's really their own, you know, it's, um, they, they, they add it all in there and it's so cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I love J-Rod. J-Rod is probably like my favorite band right now. It's ridiculous. Well, let's hear it. Let's go in and hear it, and this will be our final song, and then we'll come back and uh, and we'll say a little uh, a little wrap up and goodbye. So we are gonna throw to J Rad playing Mr. Charlie, and this was on November twenty sixth, two thousand sixteen. So for anyone who's hearing this for the first time, enjoy, and uh, and then we'll be back and um, and say a little goodbye.
take a little powder and I take a little salt. I put it in my shackle and I go walking in my chicken. Shotgun and 
Charlie told me, and I thought you ought to know, give you a little warning before I let you go. listening to J-Rad and we're just going to do goodbye. This has been so much fun. I'm just so excited to meet you one day in person and to be in touch and this has just been awesome. Yeah, this was great. Thank you for having me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's so much fun and uh, and I, I love I love getting to talk to you and getting to know you and uh, we, are, we were talking at the break um, that both of us, you know, on the north side of 40 with jobs would love to be, you know, on the bus going cross country this summer, but we're going to have to pick and choose our, um, where our, our calendars align with the music, but, but we're on the East coast. So hopefully there'll be something that will, you know, yeah, I feel like the East coast gets a lot of love, a lot more than it has in the past. Well, we'll have to compare like summer, summer notes and figure out again, like if we can um, both be at the same place at the same time. Cause um, I'm hoping to, I'm, I'm going to push myself. I'm hoping to get to as much as I can. So I'm see how it goes. Right there with you. So hopefully the stars will align and we will meet in person. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you going to City Field? Uh, still on the fence. Like I said, I'm still trying to, you know, go through the schedule and choose and pick, you know, cause it's, Got to ask for time off and, you know, like, you know, calling the favors and, you know, where am I spending the money? Like, it's, it's still all up in the air, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. No, I'm, City Field is kind of the, I'm doing Shoreline for sure. I'm doing Fenway for sure and SPAC for sure. Like, those are in. And then I'm kind of thinking that's it. But City Field is closer to you. So that that's kind of a... um That'll be like a game day decision of the moment kind of a thing. Yeah, right now I'm thinking like um, Pittsburgh and, you know, do I ride Pittsburgh out through Camden and skip Virginia because it's all pretty close and it's all within, you know, about seven to ten days of each other, which is no problem. Get a week off of work and just go for it. Or like Pittsburgh, come back, City Field, come back. Like I'm just like... Yeah, I'm still still trying to figure it out. TBD. Yeah, TBD. 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 My my ultimate dream would be to to hit Wrigley at the end, being it's a weekend. But um, right. I think it just comes down to time and money. But yeah, I've already awesome had people hit me get on up. a plane for that. Right. I've already yeah. had people being like, "Hey, are you going to Chicago?" And I'm like, "I don't think so." You know. 
No, either. It's a dream. I thought about it. I Googled the flights. <laughs> I did. They're only getting more expensive since I Googled it the first time. So mm. I don't think it's going to happen. Had I pulled the trigger like a month ago, it was like different story. Bucks, and now <laughs> I think it's like 500 bucks. By the time it comes around, it'll be, um, it'll be out of reach probably. So anyways, well, we could talk forever. So thank you. Right, thank <laughs> so you for having me. On. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, we'll, uh, We'll catch you down the ride. Any any plugs? Anything? Anyone that's on um, Instagram on the lot? Any other websites or things that we want to put out there for for listeners to find you? Um, you know, I just think you know from the lot. I try to give as much credit to people. Um, you know, gave you my little shout out list. Um, you know, there's some good things happening. So uh, you know, if you see somebody's name pop up, definitely you know click on their name and see what they're all about. Very cool. All right. Well. Everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.